0: good morning everybody happy sunday and welcome to the workers mike here on wgn powered by the midwest coalition of labor i'm ed maher with the midwest coalition of labor and here with me today we've got phil davidson with the mid-america carpenters regional council good morning what's happening
1: hey not much man how you doing
0: i'm doing pretty well good not not too bad for a sunday ken's not here today um you know you don't say yeah ken ken wasn't uh wasn't feeling well doctor's note I did not get a doctor's note.
1: Okay. Is that count as an excuse
0: then? Uh, I don't know. We're gonna have to take it up with management, but okay. then we, we hope you're we hope you're feeling better. We
1: hope you're doing well, buddy.
0: Yeah. So uh, how was your week this week? It was a big week. Valentine's Day, Super Bowl hangover. <sighs> yeah, all of the above. Did yeah. Is been good for Valentine's Day? It's been
1: pretty good. Um Valentine's Day, we kept it low key, watched a movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What
1: movie? Um an old eighties throwback, Ruthless People.
0: I don't think I've ever heard of it. It's pretty good. It's right. with
1: uh, it's an interesting movie to watch on Valentine's Day. It's with Danny DeVito and Bette Midler, and he plays a guy who uh, whose wife is kidnapped, but he actually wants her to die so he doesn't pay the ransom in the hopes that the
0: kidnappers were actually killed. It's a dark comedy. It's a really interesting choice. Was that, I'm, I, I'm guessing that was your choice and not Mrs. <laughs> it
1: Davidson's. was, it was. But she went along with it, and it's funny. Yeah, she puts up with this
0: on Valentine's yes. Day of all
1: days. It has Judge Reinhold, who is the ultimate 80s he actor. it really is Yeah, so uh, it's funny. It, I think it was a Zucker Brothers movie, too.
0: Okay, who names a kid Judge? Every time I saw Judge Reinhold, I was like, "How was it?" Yeah, it, that in the 80s, this guy it sounds was cool. very aristocratic, very blue blood. We're I don't gonna know. name this baby Judge. <laughs> baby Sorry, Judge. judge Where's Limiter.
1: he been? He was so good in the '80s, and then he just disappeared.
0: He's still waiting for the the reboot <laughs> on all the Beverly Hills Cop <laughs> yeah, movies, for sure. He was pretty good at that.
1: <laughs> or Fast Times were driven High. He was great in that too. Yeah,
0: when he was dressed up like the pirate. Yeah,
1: it's iconic classic. scene in that one. It
0: really was. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Valentine's Day. Um. It's about uh, it's about romance. It's about giving candy, about cards, about flowers, about all these things. Trying to kill your spouse? Not trying to kill your <laughs> spouse, that's for sure. But Danny DeVito, you know, yeah. who knows what the guy's up to, right? Um, so one thing I saw in a really really entertaining um, example of courtship gone wrong, or Uh-oh. I think it's gone wrong this week, and um, that would be from. Uh, Uh, enemy of the show elon musk boo (laughs) very well said we Um, need a boo button we do need a boo button yeah um so basically here's what happened and uh there's an actress and her name is gina carano and she was on the mandalorian Mm -hmm. it's on disney plus she was
1: an mma fighter i believe
0: i think that's right yeah um but she was uh she was on the mandalorian and you know i don't know she was like a bounty hunter like all of them on the mandalorian it's a star wars spinoff and She at some point went on Instagram and made a bunch of anti Semitic remarks and Disney fired her. Said, Okay, well, you have the free speech to do that, but we have the free speech to fire you for doing it. Yes. Um so she took all this stuff down and it's since been, you know, complaining that Disney did this not because of her uh, you know, vile, hateful comments toward uh Jews, but uh because she was a woman. So Elon Musk has come out and said that he is going to fund her lawsuit against Disney. What a hero. You know, how about it? Um, So I look at that as, if you're going to try to pick up a girl, Elon, maybe there's a better way to do it. You know, you're not funding lawsuits, uh, you know, to try to defend anti-Semitic remarks, and it's probably going to cost a few million dollars. But I guess this is what Elon Musk thinks, uh, you know, this is how you you get a girl. Like, hey, uh, I'll fund your lawsuit against Disney.
1: Doesn't he have enough baby mamas and children and other suitors it seems like he's on it's hard friend to keep track
0: yeah. because there's a lot of letters and numbers and <laughs> that too. like yeah. uh, math <laughs> symbols in their names so i don't Equations, know how many. right yeah yeah.
1: Cyclon x my third child
0: yeah right he just it's the uh the uh, pythagoras uh, <laughs> i didn't name him pythagoras I, i've given him the name that is the pythagorean theorem yeah um so yeah what's up elon but don't do that if you uh, if you gave me 10 million dollars and told me to go meet a girl i'd probably put like 30 kids through college and uh stay with my is, is uh, he my trying to couch this
1: as like he's a champion of
0: free speech yeah yes. and, and
1: gender discrimination all okay. about free speech okay got it yeah, yeah. so
0: um, yeah, that's Valentine's Day gone wrong. But uh, it makes your your terrible choice of movies seem a little bit less <laughs> offensive, does. Phil. Thank so you. Thank you. you. Just use that with uh, with the misses if she's still upset. I got with a reprieve you. for that one. Be like, you know, there's somebody who did it worse than me.
1: Yeah, look at this guy over here.
0: Yeah, see, I'm I'm always trying to help you out, Phil. I appreciate that. Keep you in mind because
1: I'm in the doghouse quite often. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, did you watch the Super Bowl? Of course. Yeah. First half was a little
1: rough, but it got exciting. in the Second half, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I like the Arnold Schwarzenegger commercial. Anything involving yeah. Arnold is cool uh, is I mean, to me.
1: Yeah, and the the Duncan Ben Affleck that was pretty clever. It
0: was yeah, good. Yeah. I'm a I'm a, a well known hater of Tom Brady, but he was in a couple commercials and he was pretty funny. Yeah, so I never thought I'd say anything positive about Tom Brady, but there it is, and it may never happen again.
1: Yeah, he. I mean, he didn't have to deliver much on camera. He just right. like a couple lines there, but yeah, he sold them well.
0: So. One of the big things that I saw coming out of the Super Bowl, uh, and we'll talk about this, I think, a little bit later with our guest who's coming in, um, that's B.J. Levy from the Chicago Federation of Musicians, Yeah, is that um, the halftime performer doesn't actually get paid. You get a promotion budget to, like... Build the stage, pay your backup dancers, have the people who like rush out there and put everything together really quickly. But the performer themselves, Usher in this case, doesn't get paid.
1: Do you know what's the reasoning behind that? I mean, there's so much money in the Super Bowl. Who even cares? Like, throw another million bucks to the budget. I, don't, I,
0: I think it's a matter of uh, a principle. From what I understand, it's just <laughs> they get so much exposure that, yeah. that the NFL figures. People should be lined up yeah. wanting this job, and they can get top-tier for talent sure. who will do it for nothing. So yes. that's what they do.
1: Yeah, he's going to parlay this into tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, oh, right. Sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, but someone who doesn't make their money based on the exposure is uh, the cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. So cheerleaders for NFL teams, I uh, read an article this week, and I forget where it was, but it was really, really interesting. And basically what they said was that NFL teams um, pay their cheerleaders between 75 to $150 per game. And that includes the three hours of the game, five hours before the game that they have to be at the stadium, and then two three-hour rehearsals each week. So it all comes out to around $5 an hour. And if they wear the wrong yoga pants to rehearsals or forget their yoga mat or whatever, they get fined. They get money taken out of their pay. Um, wow. So there, Yeah, there were a couple of... Um, A couple of teams, it was the uh, Oakland Raiders, the the Las Vegas Raiders, I guess now, um, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Buffalo Bills, who the cheerleaders have sued their teams, and the teams have all settled out of court.
1: This is insane. I mean, is there collusion going on between the different teams that there's a set rate that you're going to pay cheerleaders? It's like, obviously, the Dallas Cowboys are worth $6 billion. You're not going to pay them a little bit more. In addition to, there's been so much about, I mean, basically sex trafficking for those poor cheerleaders and that... Uh, it was a couple years ago with the Minnesota Vikings, right. member on the on the, the on the yacht there, and it, it, you know obviously th- there's a lot of opportunity for them to be discriminated against and be sexually harassed, and you're not going to pay them anymore. I mean, I I can't believe the NFL didn't learn their lesson on that. I mean, it's right, unfathomable.
0: Yeah, no, honestly, but it's uh, it's crazy to see these these folks, and with Dallas particularly. They have to do a calendar, a cheerleader calendar, yes. right? Yeah. And the cheerleaders don't get paid for it. They don't get the it, money on that right? either. Oh yeah, they, <laughs> think of the money that, that you make selling a calendar of NFL cheerleaders yeah. and they don't they're the cheerleaders and they don't get paid for it. Um, so I don't know. I mean I guess it's just one of those things again where they figure we can get uh, a lot of different people who will do this for nothing. Yeah. So that's pretty much what we're gonna what we're gonna do it for.
1: But they have filed a suit?
0: Yeah, there okay. there have been three teams so far that have filed lawsuits, and those three have all been settled. Okay, um, you know, and they've gotten some back pay and things like that. But yeah. uh, it's still nothing near, nothing anywhere near, you know, what you'd think that they'd be getting paid. But specifically, the um, the Oakland or the the Las Vegas Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, yeah, their pay broke down to around five dollars an hour, That's five dollars an hour to be an NFL cheerleader. Are, are the Bears the only team without cheerleaders? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I think there've gotta be others. I mean the cold yeah. weather teams have gotta really struggle. Yeah. I wonder what Staley the Bear, who runs around and does awesome things. I wonder what he makes. My favorite mascot is Benny the Bull. Benny the Bull's an outstanding. Benny's solid. Yeah. He's always up to no good. Very athletic. Really is.
1: Yeah. You wouldn't think that about A bowl like that. But yeah, he's spry. The
0: flip dunk, the trampoline flip dunk. Absolutely. I may have tried a couple times in my younger years. How'd that go for you? Not well. It didn't go well. It went about as poorly as you can imagine. As bad as Kevin trying to play basketball with his child? You know, I think we got to throw a shout out to Kevin. It's uh, an up and comer in the Chicago hoop scene that some people may be familiar (laughs) with by the name of Kevin McDonough. He's been sidelined for a couple weeks with an injury. He's playing basketball with his daughter. And, uh, you know, we wish you the best, Kevin McDonough. We hope you will be on the court uh, real, real soon. So um, I'll tell you what, we have a really, really interesting guest today, and I'm yeah. excited to hear more from him. Um, it's B.J. Levy from the Chicago Federation of Musicians. Yeah, and, Musicians uh, Union. Yeah, so we've got some uh, some messages from our kind, wonderful sponsors, and after that we'll be back with B.J. Levy, so please stick with us right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mike here on seven twenty WGN. I am Ed Maher here with Phil Davidson, and uh, as we said in the first segment, we are very, very psyched to have uh, BJ Levy here. BJ is the president of Musicians Local ten two hundred eight. So, welcome to the show, BJ. Uh,
2: it's great to be here, guys. Thank you. It's good to well, see you, BJ.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. So, um, you are with Musicians Local ten two hundred eight, also known as the Chicago Federation of Musicians. Is that right?
2: That's correct. Yeah.
0: So, I would imagine. Uh, that there are probably a lot of folks out there that don't know much about union musicians. So tell us a little bit about the Chicago Federation of Musicians.
2: Thanks, I'd love to. Yeah, so we're Local 10-208 of the American Federation of Musicians. We're the Chicago Federation of Musicians. We've been around for 124 years, so we're an old union. Mm-hmm. Um, there were actually, so Local 10-208 is a merged union. So there was a white musicians union, Local 10, and there was a black musicians union, Local 208. No kidding. That's right. So the, the, it was heavily segregated, as you know. Uh, the Black Musicians Union was actually the first and the largest of those segregated locals. They were all over the country. Wow. We merged in 1967. It's a it's a very interesting uh, story, one that we're just really learning about now. The history of that is is complex, mm-hmm. as, as you might expect. But
1: coincides with the civil rights movement.
2: That's right. Yeah, yeah there was a there were a, there were two factions of musicians in Local 208. There were the older musicians who wanted to keep their union, and there were the younger musicians who really wanted that equality. And they wanted that merger with Local 10. So it's something we're studying right now. There's actually a historian that's doing um, a biography of one of our famous past presidents, James Petrillo. He mm-hmm. might, you know the Petrillo band show yeah. yeah. That's right. So yeah. that, that's James Petrillo. That's our, our, our past president. He was president here in Chicago in the 1920s. No kidding. I learned yeah. something today. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. right. And then he became president of the Federation in uh, 1940. And he's quite famous for having called a recording strike during the Second World War. So uh, he was very concerned about um, recorded music, uh, jukeboxes in particular, replacing what was live music at the time in, mm-hmm. in, in, every, in every bar and theater and, and room. So he shut down recording for two years, and it was a big deal. I have a, a telegram from Roosevelt back at the hall telling him to cut it out.
0: Huh. Yeah, Hey, knock it off. That's right. We're in a war here. Right.
2: But out of that strike came uh, our Music Performance Trust Fund, which is a fund that provides music uh, all over the country to the tune of millions of dollars. And also, our pension fund later was split off. So, it was uh, what happened was so, for every f- what we call phonograph records back mm-hmm. in the day. For every phonograph record, every tape, every CD, later on, there was a fraction of a penny that went into this music performance trust fund, and it ended up being you know millions of dollars as a result. Really? because that hard sale, hard copy sales of music, has always been very important to our union. So that's something we can talk about because streaming has changed things. Yeah. So who can, do you
1: guys represent exactly?
2: So yeah, all of the major performance venues in Chicago: the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Lyric mm-hmm. Opera Orchestra, uh, the Chicago Sinfonietta, um, the Elgin Symphony. Uh, out at the Illinois Philharmonic Orchestra, and we've just recently organized the Rockford Symphony. Okay. Uh, so that's our, – our jurisdiction goes all the way out to Iowa, basically, but Rockford is really the practical limit. Um, uh, so all the recording that happens in Chicago, all of the major theaters, including the Marriott Theater up in Lincolnshire, the Drury Lane out in Oak Brook, and mm-hmm. uh, the Paramount Theater in, in Aurora. So – when you go to hear entertainment, when you go to buy a ticket to hear music, that's our guys. Our, our men and women.
0: Yeah, I, I was telling you before, I became familiar with it, um, you know, working at a union for, for many, many years. I was organizing a fundraiser, like a political event, and we had to have a band. And somebody was like, call the Musician's Union. Yeah. And that's when I became aware that there was a musician's union. So, um, no, that's, that's fascinating. And the story... Um, that you tell about the history, you know, down to the, the keeping both of the local names, um, I think speaks to kind of the long history that Chicago has with music. I mean, um, you were saying that a lot of the, the reason that Chicago has such a sort of a proud history when it comes to jazz and blues is because the radio stations here in Chicago were so powerful that they broadcast, you know, further than anywhere else. And folks from all over the Midwest and the South would come here to try to get on the radio.
2: Yes that's true it and it made Chicago a, a mecca for music as a result because yes all of the all of the best musicians from the south from all over the midwest from from anywhere that wanted to broadcast all the way to the east coast basically they came here to record so you know, even country music was a, was a, Chicago was a big country music town, and mm-hmm. still is to a, to a, to a degree. There's there's of course you know a lot of country musicians here, but you know the the blues came up from the south, so that w- that was a southern invention. But the electric blues, especially harmonica blues, that's a Chicago thing that Good happened job. here. Uh, gospel music, uh, Thomas Dorsey. Was the person you know what, we, what modern gospel music? That was born in Chicago. House music right. is a more recent invention. That's a Chicago invention, and it's world world famous. And hip hop in general, uh, you know, that, that's that's been here for many years. So there's there's all of these different musics, and of course, you know, our, our orchestral scene is storied. The Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Lyric Opera Orchestra, are world class institutions. That's for
0: sure. That's right. And when when people uh, for a long time, whenever people ask me what my favorite musical is or if I like musicals, I always say my favorite musical is the Blues Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I think uh, that, that sums up Chicago and kind of the sound of Chicago uh, to me. So how did you, uh, or first off, I guess, how many members um, are in the Chicago Federation of Musicians? So
2: nearly 2,000 members right now.
0: Okay. And then how long have you been a musician? How long have you been with the union?
2: I was a professional musician for about 20 years. I mean, you can count a, a few extra if you count my first job, which is Bugler for the VFW. Um but yeah, I'll count it. <laughs> okay, good. So it's more like 30 then. <laughs> right on. Um, yeah, that was a good gig. They picked me up uh, at school, and I, I got out of school for the afternoon. They gave me $10, and I got to hang out with old people. I had never heard old people curse before.
0: They have <laughs> words that I don't even know what they mean.
2: <laughs> no, but they were great guys. And uh, the, the, the gentleman who folded the flag, he cried every time he folded the flag and handed it to a widow. It was really... It was really something for me to see and really great to be around those guys. But playing a bugle when it's negative uh, 20 outside in Indiana turns out to be very difficult. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you Tough start conditions. playing it kind of quickly. Slow like, right. down, kid. <laughs> so then you, but then you became a trumpet player? <laughs> That's right. So I was a trumpet player. I studied. Um, I have a bachelor's in music performance from Indiana University, and I have a master's in jazz studies from DePaul University. Um, yeah, I, I was a theater musician almost full-time, so I did a lot of things. I played in big bands. I was what you call a commercial trumpet player. So there's orchestral, there's commercial, there's jazz. So jazz generally falls under commercial. I was a commercial lead player, so I generally played the first part on um, on Broadway shows. So I was fortunate to play on over 50 productions here in Chicago. Wow. A lot of them at the Marriott Theater, many downtown as well, like, um, say, Wicked, mm-hmm. uh, The Color Purple, uh, My Fair Lady, Lots of really, really, it's what I wanted to do. My, my band director, uh, Bob Medworth from high school, he brought us up here to see Phantom of the Opera. He, so I'm from Brazil, Indiana, which is near yeah. Terre Haute. Um, brought us up here to see Phantom of the Opera. It was probably 1990 or 91. And we saw it at the Auditorium Theater. And I remember looking down in the pit and saying, that's what I want to do for a living. And we actually recently went to see a show at the Auditorium Theater together. It was really a nice. That's night. cool. So you stayed in touch yeah. with the teacher. Oh, that's yeah, great. he's very formative in my life.
0: We have she- talked a lot about that on the show. We had, um, you know, some folks from the um, Illinois Educators or Education Association last uh, maybe two weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about how every now and then you'll bump into a teacher who has a lasting impact on yeah. your life. So that's interesting. He put you put you on your path.
1: Yeah. Do the do the musicians in your union? do any of them have to take on additional side work or is this enough uh they can make a living on and pay their bills and raise a family on i know we we had someone from the actors union in before who kind of said like you know it's in, in good times they can definitely uh, make a, a good pay good paycheck but other times you know when work is a little bit slower yeah. they're taking on side work i'm just kind of curious about the musicians
2: that's that's one of the best questions we get asked yeah. yeah so there there is a significant percentage of our population that does that is able to do this as a full-time job we yeah. try to protect those mm-hmm. and also grow those there's another segment of the population who works much of the time under collective bargaining agreements or under union agreements and they're also teaching privately which is a really great source of income so many of our children take music lessons and also all the way into college so we have professors as well so teaching becomes a really significant source of income and then there's another smaller portion of our population that does work day jobs Mm -hmm. um many really many uh, high profile day jobs you know and then uh, play work at night or on the weekends. Um, it, it does line up. You know, our, our work is such that it happens generally uh, not in the nine to five hours because right. we're providing entertainment.
0: I've got a question for you: Is there an instrument like in an orchestra? What's the easiest instrument in the whole orchestra <laughs> where you could be really good oh. at it and people are still kind of just like, yeah, yeah, uh, really? Not the trumpet. <laughs> I think it's the tuba. That's my guess. <laughs> I'm guessing tuba. I love. I always cheer for the tuba players because I don't think anybody else does. But uh,
1: tuba does have a great sound. Yes. yes.
2: Oh yeah, we got a great tuba. We have so many great tuba players here in Chicago but uh, our, our gentleman at the Chicago Symphony Orchestra named Gene Picorni, Yeah, oh he's one of my heroes so I could get in very big trouble for trying to yeah. For, yeah. All right, it's probably, <laughs> let's not answer this question <laughs> but I will say this at the, the triangle level,
0: <laughs> there's on, at the triangle we'll just say that
2: <laughs> well you, Leonard there's a there's a video of Leonard Bernstein yelling at a triangle player for not getting it right but okay at the highest level you'll certainly some instruments uh, maybe don't have the muscular input that, that other inputs that other uh, instruments do. But at the highest level, they're all equally difficult yeah. to, to play perfectly all the time. I can imagine. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you what. We've got a lot to talk about. And for those uh, of you who are just tuning in, we're talking to B.J. Levy here from the Chicago Federation of Musicians. Um, we've got to take a quick break. But when we come back... Um we're going to talk about uh you've got negotiations going on nationwide yeah. for the musicians union just like the actors and the writers and every the directors producers did not the producers um last summer uh so we've got a lot to talk about and then some really really interesting organizing uh that you've got going on for uh, hip hop artists so yeah. uh if you're just tuning in stick around but we'll be back right after these messages with More Workers Mike on 720 WGN You're listening to the Workers Mike powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor And sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to the workers' Mike here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher, here with Phil Davidson, and B.J. Levy, the president of the Chicago Federation of Musicians. So, welcome back, everybody. And uh, in the last segment, we were talking a little bit about um, the Musicians' Union and the history of music in Chicago. Um, But you guys have a lot going on, and we've got to cover all this. Um, It's very important stuff. So... Uh, first, I want to talk about the nationwide negotiations that are going on with the Musicians', musicians Union. I seem to be having trouble with that word today. It's a tough one. It's a tricky one. <laughs> it is. But uh, I should have gotten my eight hours last night. Um, but we're all familiar with the actor's strike, the writer's strike that went on last summer. But, um, you know, it sounds like there's there's a real struggle for a contract here for the musicians as well. So uh,
2: tell us a little bit more about it. Thanks, Ed. Yeah. So we have ongoing negotiations um, on our motion picture agreement. So mm-hmm. soundtracks for movies and uh, later on, we'll work on the television side of things, but yeah, uh, soundtracks for movies and and this is it's such a huge topic because you know we we add the emotional content generally to movies. So I always tell people to think about Star Wars. What would that be like without music? That's a good point. It would you know. So that's an orchestra, and that was the group of uh, Los Angeles musicians on the last three movies in particular. Um, so yeah, at, at the national negotiations, of course, it's ongoing. So I can't go into great detail, but I can tell you that. You know what? What we're concerned about is residual um, structure. Yeah. Um. You know that that really makes up uh, about seventy five percent in many cases of, of, of the pay for musicians traditionally. Yep. So when a motion picture was recorded, <clears throat> um, you know there would be uh there would be the picture itself, and then if it goes to DVD mm-hmm. or if it goes to cable, if it goes to these um, secondary markets, what we call so we have the film musicians second secondary market fund. And the musicians would receive another payment for that. So the difference between uh, a subscription video on demand, which we call SVOD, um, is that there's a one-time payment, generally. Okay. Uh-huh. So, you know, the, the company it makes subscription money on that every month. It's something like, so The Mandalorian, another Star Wars product. Right. So the musicians are paid once for that. but um the the companies the the, the producers and the, the the recording companies make money on that forever as long right. as it's yeah. up yeah
1: so it's similar to the problems that the actors and writers oh, are having yes. yes and a big
0: part of the reason the streamers don't want
2: to put out viewership numbers and yes. things like yes exactly that. so those residual payments have dwindled yes have dwindled yeah, yeah. so and because the, the the business model has changed and it's across the music industry streaming really changed things not only yeah. for us but for media companies for for photographers um it's really changed things overnight almost and so we're catching up but that's part of the negotiations another part is ai which is another thing that the writers and the actors were both um, concerned about for us it's a matter of um so consent credit and compensation are the three c's of this so we want to make sure that they're not taking our product and creating a virtual musician, right? Uh, which, which the the technology is on the verge of happening.
0: No question. And yeah. It's not. It's certainly not beyond them to do it. I mean, they. Uh, one of the big things in the actor's strike was uh, that they could hire someone for a day and or a half a day, even um, get their likeness, get their voice, and then come up with like an AI model of yes. that person and cast them for the rest of the production, and the, the worker would get a half day, but they would appear in a production, which is, it sounds insane, but it's really happening.
2: Yes, we don't want that to happen for the clarinet player I on agree. the soundtrack. No. And
0: especially the tuba player. Especially
2: the tuba <laughs> are, are, Or tuba. Are,
1: are many of the soundtracks recorded here in Chicago, or is it mostly New York and L.A. were those that recorded? Like, do your members... Participate in a lot of those soundtracks.
2: Uh, most of the motion picture soundtracks happen in L.A. or or New York. New York also does a lot of television. We do some television, so okay. Um, this is this is this kind of plays into the legislation that we're proposing, but. Mm-hmm um the last major motion picture soundtrack i believe that was recorded here was the lincoln soundtrack that was chicago symphony orchestra okay uh, that was a really big deal for us yeah but yeah yeah and, it, and also a beautiful soundtrack uh, yeah so listen to it. for the last
0: what 10 or 15 years especially since uh Cinespace opened up on the south side there's chicago police chicago fire uh empire there are all these shows uh that are being filmed in chicago so they're filmed in Chicago. The actors do well. The the IATSE, like the you know the cinematographers, all these groups are getting work out of it. But they're farming out the the uh, soundtracks to New York and L A. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the legislation. You're trying to, to you know keep a little bit of the work here in Chicago.
2: That's right. We're trying. Well, so you know, producers and directors really love our city because we have a beautiful, very photogenic city. Mm-hmm. But what we want to remind them is that Chicago also has a sound. And well said. Thank you very much. We're we're proud of our musicians here. We're proud of like the history that we discussed before. And so yeah, when these when these uh, shows come here to produce, uh, we want them to stay here and do the the soundtrack recording here. We had, did have a lot of musicians that performed on Empire. Uh, we were we were sad to see that show end, but we don't, we don't want this to be a one off. So yes, we're proposing the Music and Musicians Tax Credits and Jobs Act of 2024. That's going to go before this legislature. Will be down in Springfield on April 9th. To talk to um, the legislators and make sure we get it in front of them. We just, yeah, we. So other other states have done this: Louisiana, Ohio. Um, you know, there are many other states that have these tax credits. It's it's a, it's a way to entice uh, the producers to come here and do their production.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Phil and I were talking earlier. It, for a long time, it seemed like anything you watched on TV at the end of the credits, it would say it would have the big peach and say "Made in Georgia," and that was because. Georgia put a bunch of money into tax incentives to trying to lure producers to, to film there, so it works. And there's you know there's a clear case history of this working and creating jobs and sort of um, bringing a focus to to a state or to a city. So um, you know it seems like this should be it, it's it's not uh, you're not trying this for the first time.
1: No, no, and Illinois is, is booming. There, yeah. there was just an article about it that we're one of the most sought after states by producers right now. Something I saw it's said like four hundred million dollars from yeah. twenty twelve to twenty twenty two came to Illinois oh, yeah. Yeah. In, in production uh credits and or excuse me, in, in television and film productions, and then I think the state's uh tax incentive is it's thirty mm-hmm. percent for expenses for producers. So yeah, yeah it's it's boom times here for actors. IETSI's union doubled in the last decade. Wow. So yeah, uh that's that's let's let's share what's going on with uh with all the film production and get some more for our friends uh, in the music business as well.
0: Yeah, and, and what you said about Chicago having a distinct sound, I think anybody listening who's who's from Chicago can understand exactly what that means. Um, you know, and trying to recreate that uh, in New York or L.A. is just, uh, it just doesn't feel right. So if if the growth of productions for, for TV and movies is expanding in Chicago and it's creating jobs for actors and makeup artists and cinematographers, there's absolutely no reason that that shouldn't include musicians because... You know as we've said chicago has an incredibly outsized history for um you know for music so there's no reason we shouldn't just include right. that and blues, double the membership of the musicians yeah. the way that we double the member the membership of the uh, of IATSE.
1: i bet a lot of musicians in new york and la probably started in chicago were born here anyway. oh yeah all <laughs> the know? time yeah all I'm the time
2: always meeting people who yeah. started in chicago yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean if i want to think about the music history where people talk about the jazz and the blues and things like that in Chicago. What's the music history of L.A.? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean,
0: not to knock the people of L.A. The Beach but, Boys? Oh, there you go. I think that might be an <laughs> uh, unpopular opinion. I might be the only person I know who really doesn't think uh, a whole lot of the Beach Boys. Interesting. Oh, especially their Christmas music. I hear that, and it's like, get it out of here.
1: Pet Sounds is incredible. Yeah.
0: Right. yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you, you know, that's, uh, everybody gets a right to their own Surf's opinion. Is also a great album. Up, Looks yeah. like I'm outnumbered here, folks. Um well, one of the other things that we wanted to talk about that I heard about, I think, in the fall uh, was that the Chicago Federation of Musicians is looking to do organizing with hip-hop artists yeah. in the city of Chicago. So yeah. it's fascinating, but I, feel I don't know a lot about it. So, so tell me more.
2: I didn't know a lot about it either until this group of musicians approached us. Mm-hmm. So what they told us and that we didn't know was that, you know, these artists um, many times don't make $100 doing what they're doing. They have to pay a, a, um, a promoter $250 or so for 15 minutes of stage time. And that's the business model. That's what it is. And, and the point that they made to us, what really caught my attention, was that they said, you know, we can get a start in the city of Chicago, but we can't make it here. Mm-hmm. So they're not making a thriving wage. Do they get any of the ticket sales? generally it's 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 fly by night, so okay. no the, no, there's no sharing uh, of profit at all, okay, so what we're doing is 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 a long term effort to to create a place for them to perform with a collective bargaining agreement where they have access to you know a a pension payment, which is something that they're very excited about yeah. uh, we think about the whole musician, you know we want them to be able to send their kids to college, we want them to be able to pay their electric bills and by studio time, you know be able to record without having to. You know, hip hop. There's, there's 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 education involved. Uh, there, there's we can discuss the issue of crime where that's involved, and they're always welcome to discuss these things. This group of people is one of the most entrepreneurial minded group of people I have ever met. Not only that, but community minded. Yeah. So you know they're, they're developing nonprofits. Um, the Hojo Family Assistance Network. They they bring groceries to their neighborhood. Uh, we met a, a young woman the other day, or, or uh, who who has a, a foundation, um, the John Walt Foundation, that. Um, Her son died, uh, he was a hip-hop artist, and he died of gun violence, so she's Mm -hmm. working on that. Um, And so it's just an amazing group of people that we're so happy to know. And yeah, we're learning about their um, the, the, the terminology of their work, how it happens, what it is, and we're also learning that they're not at all pleased with how corporations have foisted upon the public what they call drill music, which would be more violent yes. uh, depictions of, of things. They make a lot of money on them. They were right. just complaining about the recent Grammy winners and how much of that was very sexualized and very violent um, uh, type of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have a thing here that's called conscious rap, which is literally. Mm-hmm. There's A long, long tradition of both political, poetic, and 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 wonderful and uplifting. Um, common would be part of yeah, that. Yeah, Common. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the Chance the Rapper is also another yep. famous Chicago Chance. rapper. Yep. yep. Um, so yeah, there's a long tradition of of really um, beautiful artwork associated with that art form, and we just want to make sure that these people are being heard and being respected for the thing for what they're creating.
0: Right, and that it can it can be a a way to make a living because if you can't make a living doing this kind of music this type of music isn't going to survive and it's just going to all fall on the sort of commercialized sensationalized stuff that you had uh, had mentioned before right it's it's really fascinating is there um i mean where could people go to to learn more about this this kind of music or, or support the movement is there um is there any any place where people could go if they're interested in learning a little bit more about what was it you said conscious
2: Conscious rap. Well, that's just a term, Um, but yeah, we're developing all of that infrastructure now for people to come to. So, within the next few months or so, we'll be we'll be having that on our website, and we'll also have some more media available for uh, for people in that way.
0: Well, I mean, it's 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 an an awesome effort because. Around the Super Bowl, we talk about how the Super Bowl performers don't get paid, right? Uh, Like, Usher didn't get paid for his halftime show. He got, like, a $15 million budget for people to move the stage and all the production value. But the upside for him in that is... He's going to launch a tour and it's going to sell out. He's going to yeah. sell a bunch of albums. He has a whole bunch of work out there that people are going to see, and they're just going to buy into that. So he's going to make million a lot of money. dollars
1: of exposure. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. You were saying about a hundred million dollars yeah. of exposure comes out to you, Phil. Yeah. Um, but somebody trying to make it and having to pay two hundred and fifty bucks right. for fifteen minutes of stage time, and the best they can hope for is what to stand uh stand out in the crowd and talk to people and have a qr code leading to their music it's, it's a mixtape yeah it doesn't work that way for for new artists so um you know kudos to you for trying to trying to help um you know find a better way to do this
2: thanks yeah. man that, that, that exposure term is something we've been fighting for years because yeah. people die of exposure it's, right. it's 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 not something of much value to a side musician and where usher is concerned yes he didn't make money but the musicians that you saw on stage did get paid okay all yes. right we, we make sure of that all right that's um, good to know yeah but, yeah, so exposure is worth nothing to us. Yeah. You know, we need we need to be able to send our kids to school. We want to retire one day. We're whole people. We are human beings. And, you know, when we listen to something, with streaming with one of our famous artists, one of our favorite artists, um, we need to understand that that artist had a, a guitar player, a drummer, a keyboardist, someone who wrote the music, someone who copied the music mm-hmm. uh, so it could be performed by those people. There, there are human beings behind all of your favorite music.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I mean I and music can play such an interesting role. One of the best examples that I can think of is um the first season of White Lotus, a show on HBO I don't know if you've seen oh, it, but
1: oh yeah, that was an interesting soundtrack. But it's yeah. it's
0: like a funny show, yeah. Um, but there was always sort of this like suspenseful, ominous yes. soundtrack where it's like I feel like I'm watching a funny show, but the music it's like what am I watching here? And I I couldn't stop it watching. Very it when I first saw that. Yeah,
1: no, it, it really does. I mean,
0: music when, really can make a production.
1: when we make videos, just marketing videos for our unions. Like, the mm-hmm. first thing that's uh, that, that my boss is most focused on is the music. Right. I mean, a music can really make or break a video, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, it really sets the mood and the tone for everything. So, yeah, no, it's, it's critical. And I'm a big fan of looking up uh, musicians in uh, side bands for different recording projects like yeah. the documentary about the uh, the wrecking crew uh, yeah. all those famous you know studio musicians it's uh it's so fascinating like, a lot of them go on to their own solo careers and yeah. it's pretty cool yeah.
2: and we miss that about old recordings this the, the liner notes yeah where you got to see who played in the band i love uh, that that doesn't exist for, sure. for streaming no no it's fallen by the wayside
1: unfortunately and it
2: has led to the dehumanized dehumanization of uh, of of the music of the musician's work yeah
0: yeah well this was really interesting i i feel uh i didn't know much about this and uh i'm so glad that you came in today thank you thank so much you, for and coming yeah, in and and what's,
2: what's the website we could find it at uh cfm 10208.com okay
0: all right well thank you so much once again this is bj levy the president of musicians local 10208 head of the chicago federation of musicians so um thanks again for coming in stay with us we're going to be back with more workers mike here on 720 wgn you're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to The Worker's Mic here on WGN. Uh, so we had – that was a really cool guest. What would you think, Phil?
1: I was very impressed with BJ.
0: Yeah. I would love to hear a little bit more about, um, you know, not only how those negotiations go, but how the efforts go to kind of bring some of that music production back to Chicago.
1: Absolutely, and yeah, he really did open my eyes, and hopefully, a lot of our listeners about what goes on behind the scenes to make yeah. a production like that happen. In the whether or not it's an album, whether it's a live performance, like yeah, there's people behind that. That was very cool.
0: Yeah. Well, we've got a few minutes left in the show, and uh, it was a week with, you know, a decent amount of uh, of sort of local efforts here in Chicago, and uh, especially, particularly at uh, O'Hare. So one of the bigger things that uh, made news. I think all over the country, was the Uber and Rideshare strike, or one-day walkout on Valentine's Day. on Valentine's Day, yes. So if you're flying into Chicago or into O'Hare on Valentine's Day, it sounds like it might have been really tough to get a ride. Yeah. Which, I actually hate the way they do Rideshares at O'Hare anyway, because you have to go to Terminal 2, and you can't call for it until you get there, but then it still takes 20 minutes. And you have to walk outside. You have to walk outside?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. That setup is is horrible.
0: I wind up usually just getting caps, anyways. Seriously, that's what I did the last time. These are first world problems, by the way, folks. But that doesn't mean that I can't still complain about it. No,
1: Um, but we want to stay in solidarity with her brothers and sisters who are uh yeah no drivers no question about in it. the uber business i did
0: not use an uber on valentine's neither Day. did i Very i honor their picket um and then uh also at o'hare there is a flight attendant picket this week yeah so, and it was part of um a whole nationwide thing with flight attendants so there are a whole like these different airlines have their own unions different associations for their flight attendants and their contracts for most of them are all up and i think it's around um it's around like I think like a hundred thousand flight attendants across the country. And what they're saying is, you know, the last couple of years we've seen pilots getting big raises. We've seen airlines uh you know bouncing back after COVID and yeah, becoming more profitable. That. Yep. And the pilots definitely did get big raises. They threatened strikes and didn't have to do it. Uh they just got, you know, enormous raises. Yeah. Which, you know, a pilot is important. You want a good pilot, you want a happy pilot who's not working side jobs and, and things like that. Fair point. Yeah, but I mean how hard is a flight attendant's job? Seriously, what do they have to put up with? Yeah, especially
1: um, post-COVID.
0: Seriously, that's a very good point, Phil. Mm-hmm. I mean, when did you ever see videos of of airline passengers acting that way until COVID? Until no. so they had to wear a mask and then they thought they could just, you know, punch people and just go completely bonkers.
1: Soil themselves in their seats. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was a popular one. Seeing that a lot these days, yeah. You know, it seems like it's really, uh, that one's on the uptick.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> having police call in on passengers, yeah. And not to mention just. How how big of slobs we've all become. Remember you would dress up to get on an airplane and now people just come in and their Bermuda shorts and I wear you
0: know. I wear like gym attire on airplane. Yeah. I try to dress as comfortably as possible. Yeah. Um yeah, the people definitely it was a it was a thing. You put on a suit and tie, you brought the kids, you put a fancy little Easter hat on the kid. You Absolutely. Know, you're gonna look good on the airplane kid. And I
1: think because we've uh We've lost some decorum there. I think people are like, whatever. I don't care about these people serving me, and they feel like they can speak down to them and fight with them. And they're just trying to do their jobs, you know. Right. These flight attendants didn't set policy on masks. They're just doing. They're, they're following FFA rules. You know? So
0: the beef for a lot of these flight attendants is that the pay and benefits have gone down a lot since 9/11, yes. um, and they, you know, the airlines did this to pilots as well. Pilots have been able to recover, but uh, flight attendants really have kind of struggled. But it's also the structure of how they get paid, because a flight attendant doesn't start getting paid until they close the door. So they fly to the airport, or fly to the airport, they drive to the airport, they go through security, they wait at the gate, they stand there, they get coffee, they help everybody get on the plane. They're not getting paid for any of that time, and then they close the door, and that's when they get paid. That's when the clock starts. Right, it's from when the door closes to the door opens. Um, So for, you know, like a 12-hour process of getting to the airport to getting home, they might be getting paid for, I don't know, six hours, Something like that. I never so, thought
1: about that. Yeah. yeah,
0: And I mean, think of the drunks that they have to deal with and, you know, just, uh, you know, all, all the nonsense. The way that you've seen people treat flight attendants. People are just not generally super nice to flight attendants. And occasionally you'll run into a flight attendant that's not super nice. But yeah. I figure it's someone else's fault. It's not their fault.
1: Ken ordering another double beef eater on the rocks. You know? Yeah.
0: It's like, no, you can't have five whiskey <laughs> sours. We haven't closed the door yet, that's sir. Right. So maybe that's why Ken's not here today. <laughs> Could be. Too many whiskey <laughs> sours on the plane yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, but uh but yeah, so stand in solidarity. We'll we'll report back on uh on what we see there with uh with the flight attendants. But yeah, as I said, that was a busy day, uh a busy week at O'Hare this week. Uh you had something that you wanted to say about uh wage theft day of action, um that yeah. we're gonna cover in greater detail.
1: Yeah, we this is a frequent topic of discussion on this show, one very dear to the Carpenters Union. But uh in April we'll be doing our tax fraud days of action where we shine a light on wage theft and uh, worker misclassification in the construction Mm -hmm. industry, which we know is still rampant, and it seems like it's starting to take a little bit of a foothold. And there's there was an article about it recently in the Guardian. Um, and uh, hopefully, we're going to have some uh, high profile guests on the show yeah. talking about that. And um, yeah, it's just it's just a threat. Uh, it's an existential threat because we have so many contractors who are you know going the low road and paying people in cash under the table. Meanwhile, our good union contractors are having to compete against guys that can underbid them mm-hmm. by hundreds of thousands of dollars, and it's not fair. And these people are getting cheated. Right. Um, the workers getting cheated. They're not getting their workplace protections. They're not getting uh, unemployment. They're not getting uh, any health insurance. Anything that uh, you know that we all can sometimes take for granted. So, yeah, we'll like um, yeah, be a lot more to come on that.
0: The and, carpenters uh, have done great work. And the wins, uh, what does that look like? What do the wins on this stuff look like? It looks like uh, workers who've been cheated all of a sudden getting enormous checks for money that they never even knew was stolen from them.
1: $50,000 so, in some cases. Yeah, life, yeah,
0: life-changing amounts of money. <laughs> right. So it's, uh, it's a great effort and uh, something that we're always happy to talk about here. So cool. um, we are out of time. So thanks, uh, thanks for everything. To, thanks for the listeners for tuning in. and uh, Thanks, BJ. Yeah, thank you to BJ and PJ Levy, our guest from the Chicago Federation of Musicians. And uh, as always, heck of a show, Phil. You too, buddy. And we will see you next week right here on 720 WGN. The preceding episode of The Worker's Mike was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and
2: podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGNradio.com.